Good day and welcome to episode 35 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, we got the crew back together. I'm here with Steve, and I'm here with Matt, my two best buds. How's it going? Feels good to be reunited. How are you doing, Matt? It's been a while since we've seen you. Oh, I'm doing very well. Sorry. Happy happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. How are things with you, man? Things are good. I'm tired i had a really good workout today you know the kind of workout that like gets you tired and like you sleep really well and you feel good about your life choices until you compensate by eating a lot of ice cream but otherwise pretty fucking good yeah because you just go hey i worked out today i earned this exactly and then you put a bunch of shit in your face and then you got to work out again Uh, but that's a vicious cycle. cycle Well, not only is it exciting to be here with both of you, but it's exciting because this is episode 35 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast, and we have a lot of exciting things to talk about on this episode. The first podcast divisible by five in five podcasts. (laughs) hey someone knows his math. Before we begin, I'd like to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. I hope everyone is enjoying their day of freedom and celebrating responsibly. No drinking. I just want everybody to read the Constitution <laughs> and remember what it means to you. And then realize how far we've strayed from that document. Uh, just in case you're unaware of the history of 4th of July. So four score ago, George Washington and Mel Gibson fought against the French. And they won. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, that every, every 4th of July, that is what we celebrate. So, you know, pour one out for Mel Gibson and George Washington, our great fallen. So on that note, we're going to kick things off today with a very special 4th of July-themed Get to Know a Gamer, and I'm excited to see who the game show host will be. You never know. You just never know. Could be you. Uh, And then it could be me. I don't know. You know, I, jeez, man. Things are fast and loose here at the Ombra Gaming Studios. (laughs) Still, we're a studio now. And then today's topic of the podcast will be games that define this generation. So we're going to talk about some of the games and some of the gaming experiences that we've had uh, and some of the ones that we recognize as those that sort of define this generation of consoles and this sort of generation of, of, of games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It should be a good conversation. So we've each picked sort of two to three games that we think really define this generation, and and we'll have a discussion about them. And then we will have patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke, and we will have a community shout-out after that. But before we get to any of that, the house is disgusting. Let's clean it up. First up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. Please, please. You can find us at... Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on Instagram. So follow us there and check us out. You can also find us at twitch.tv slash Ombra underscore gaming, where we stream almost every single day of the goddamn week. So check us out there and join our streams. I had a wonderful stream last night. I was streaming uh, ghost recon wildlands with Magnum and Bisbo. And we had, we made some new friends. We had a couple new folks that we new faces. We haven't seen before join in the stream and we were having a grand old time it was fantastic so check us out enjoy our streams we would love to see you on twitch we can also be found on patreon so you can find us at patreon.com slash ombra gaming and support us there if you feel so compelled so every single dollar we get will go right back into the show and make this the very best podcast we can possibly be and we would appreciate your help on that journey 
And last up on housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen, I've talked about it before and I'm very excited. On July 20th in our nation's capital, we will be partnering with Xbox and the folks at the N3 Incubator here in Washington, D.C. for a full day of video gaming competition and fun on Xbox and Windows PC. So we'll be playing Fortnite, FIFA, Overwatch, PUBG, and more. So keep an eye out for more information. The RSVP page is already out there. So if you check out our Twitter, it will be on our Twitter. Um, So I will put the RSVP page in the show notes of this episode. If you're in the D.C. area, you can swing by and hang out with us all day and into the night on July 20th. And if not... You can find us on twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming where we will be streaming most, if not all, of the event. So get hyped. Steve's coming down here for it. We're going to have a live recording of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. It's going to be fantastic. So with all of that out of the way, the house is now clean. Let's get on with the show. It's time for everyone's favorite game show, Get to Know a Gamer. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Get to Know a Gamer, also known as G2CAG. I'm your host, Gilbert de Moutier, and this is the game show in which I ask in-depth questions to our panel of contestants so that you, our listeners at home, can learn more about each person. Today's our 4th of July fireworks extravaganza episode, so let's get to know a gamer. Or as they say in France... Get to know a gamer. <laughs> if anyone in the Discord can tell me who Gilbert de Moutier is, I will pat you on the back. That's a weird reward to get. <laughs> I will like... send you a French flag. <laughs> Our first round is called Washington or Dre, where our contestants will be given two quotes, one of which was said by a president or vice president, and one of which was said by Dr. Dre. They need to correctly identify which was said by which. Whom? Whom? Whomst. Whomst. (laughs) All right, your first round of quotes. This is the first quote. If you're not sincere, you shouldn't say anything at all. Your second quote is, I've looked on many women with lust. I've committed adultery in my heart many times. God knows I will do this and forgives me. Which quote was Dr. Dre? And which quote was a president or vice president? Can you repeat the first one? If you're not sincere, you shouldn't say anything at all. I'm going to go, that one's Dre, the other one's a president or vice president. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. At first, I thought the first one was a vice president or president because it sounds like old-timey and shit, but it also could just, it sounds like something Dre could have said. I mean, he's a doctor after all. He's also he's super fucking successful, so it does sound like something you would yeah. say. And this, honestly, there's a lot of corrupt politicians, especially presidents and vice presidents, so I could easily see one of them saying this, mm. talking about lust yeah. and how many presidents and vice presidents have cheated on their their wives okay so you are both correct okay can you tell me what president said the quote can you repeat it please i've looked on many women with lust i've committed adultery in my heart many times god knows i will do this and forgives me i'm gonna guess jefferson (laughs) i'm gonna say mike pence this sounds like something mike pence might say (laughs) it's actually president jimmy carter jimmy (laughs) i think he said that before he was elected but like running during the campaign Wow, Jimmy's a good guy. Well, he's got an eye for the ladies, apparently. All right, so we're both, we both have one point. Here's your next set of quotes. Your first quote is, I've been living the American dream for over 25 years, just doing what I do. Your other quote is, 
I've earned everything I've got. I'm gonna go Dre first quote, president mm-hmm. second quote, because he says I've been doing, I've been, do- I've been living the American dream for 25 years. No president has served for 25 years. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Dre. He, I don't know how long he's been around, but he's probably been around at least 25 years. I would also say Dre would say the first one because I'm sure when he was just starting out, he didn't feel like he was living the American dream. It didn't seem like it was very easy going for NWA at the start of that. Yeah, yeah. Also, that second one just sounds like Trump. It does sound a little, a little like Trump, because it's very just succinct. There aren't many, you know, big words in it. So you're correct. The first one is Dre, and the second one is President. What president? So it's not Trump then, because we both thought it was him. Well, no. If you're guessing, I didn't consider that. So it's I've earned everything I've got. I've earned everything I've got. Yeah, well, I guess I'll say Trump too. Wrong. Richard Nixon. It was Jimmy Carter again. Cool. So we're tied going into the last round. Last set of quotes. First quote is, I've always been a lunatic. Second quote is, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a challenge. I'm, I'm going to go um, President Dre. I'm going to go Dre President. So... Can you link them to the quotes for our Dre is go fuck yourself. Okay. I'm going to go Dre is I've always been a lunatic. President is go fuck yourself. Okay. So Dre said I've always been a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, Didn't Trump say go fuck yourself? No. Who? It's So it's actually a vice president. Oh, yeah. So Joe Biden? (laughs) I was thinking of a different vice president. I feel like Joe Biden would say that, but I was thinking of Dick Cheney. (laughs) And he said that on the floor of the Senate, which was very professional. All righty. That means Manny took the first round, which is the first time I think he's ever won a round, <laughs> even though I've only been the host once. All righty. Our second round is called Supreme Court Sport. I'll give our contestants two names. They'll have to decide which is a Supreme Court justice's name and which is the name of, video- of a video game character. This is going to show how probably like little we know about the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court justices. justices. All right. I, I met four of them. Your first two <laughs> your first two names are Marshall Law and Samuel Chase. Which one is a Supreme Court justice and which is from a video game? I studied politics in school. <laughs> oh, it doesn't have to be a current Supreme Court justice. Just oh, any? Okay. I'm gonna go yes. the first one I'm gonna say video game character. That's what I was that's what I was thinking. Justice. So Marshall So you're going with Marshall Law is a video, game, video character, game character and Samuel Chase is the Supreme Court Justice. Yeah. Sure. That is correct. Marshall Law is a character from Tekken. Yeah, Marshall Law is the uh, is like the Liu Kang knockoff. Oh, okay. Okay. Your second set of names are Bushrod Washington and Squall Leonhardt. I'm going to go Bushrod Justice and Squall is a video game <laughs> These character. names are fucking I have to go the same because Bushrod, if that's not a Supreme Court Justice, then that's an injustice because that's a great yeah. Supreme Court Justice. Also, Squall. You guys are both correct. Bushrod was a Supreme Court Justice. Squall is from Final Fantasy. Okay. Your next two names... Lucius Quintus Cincinnatus Lamar II and Rugal Bernstein. <laughs> Rugal Bernstein. 
<laughs> Rugal Bernstein sounds a little more stuffy. That sounds like a Supreme Court justice. The second one just sounds like a Roman character from like a yeah. It, a again, civilization that, that name, the second name, just seems like something that wouldn't have been voted into the Supreme Court if I <laughs> just yeah. looking at the history of this country. Justice Cincinnatus <laughs> yeah. from the Honorable Ohio. So what yeah, are you guys going go, with? I'm gonna go video Lucius. game. Ju- no, yeah, yeah, uh, no, judge video game. So yeah. Rugal is a judge. <laughs> Rugal is judge, and Lucius is video game character. Rugal is actually from a video game called The King what? of Fighters. Lucius Quintus Cincinnatus Lamar II is actually a very racist Supreme Court justice. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, I think, wrote the secession of Mississippi, when, and he served in the Confederate States of America as the, uh, I think, the ambassador to Moscow. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Our last one, Felix Frankfurter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and Tom Nook. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to go Felix Frank. <laughs> Felix Frankfurter is a Supreme Court judge, and Tom Nook is a video game character. I'm going to go the opposite, just because, like, uh, what's what's the fun of being tied? <laughs> Felix Frankfurter is a Supreme Court justice. Tom Nook is a character from Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh, good job picking a game that neither of us really play. Mm. Yeah, that is yeah. good. I figured there couldn't, like, I, I feel like it would have to be a goofy-ass game for a video game character to be named Frankfurter. I mean, there's a lot of goofy-ass games. I mean, Animal Crossing's pretty goofy. Also, the alliteration, I think, throws it off, too, because it's like Felix Frankfurter. Anyway, that means that Manny, for the first time ever, is our fireworks pharaoh. Congratulations. You've won the 4th of July fireworks extravaganza edition of Get to Know a Gamer. I'm your host, Gilbert de Montier. Wishing you a lovely summer. Please remember to spay or neuter your pets. And good night. What a lovely young French man. Do you guys know who that name is? No, not at all. Most important, most important French revolutionary to help us in the American Revolution. Freedom fries. They're called freedom fries. <laughs> freedom toast. Damn it. Well, that was a lovely game of Get to Know a Gamer. I will check the tapes and I will see if, in fact, I've never won a round. Uh, of get to know a gamer i'm pretty sure i have but i will have you to very well may have i, I do remember you winning every single episode i was but really I, just like kidding. i do remember you winning but i think it was the one that didn't air that didn't ever make it well we'll see we will Soon see enough, which doesn't count people will know so with that let's keep the show going today's topic is games that define this generation so before we get into it i i want to make i want to make a disclaimer so this is not just our favorite games on this in this generation they might include some of our favorites but i'll speak for myself they're not exactly my favorites they're games that we think for one reason or another which we will discuss define this generation of consoles and pc gaming so ps4 xbox one and the current state of pc gaming and the switch so this segment is subjective we might have ideas of what we think define this generation that are different from yours and that's totally okay there will be games that we mentioned that won't even be on your radar and there will be games that you think define this generation that we don't mention and you should share those with us in our discord community yeah if you want to talk to us about any of the games that you think define the generation and that we did not bring up 
you can call us. You can leave us a voicemail at 347-509-5620. So you can call us and share your thoughts. You can chat with us in Discord about it. But I just want to say up front, we're going to have different ideas, and that's totally okay. That's part of the fun. My so, ideas are the best, though. Right. Well, they're not. <laughs> so you can't argue. And we speak for the entire gaming community. It's true. So if there are some that we miss or some that you don't agree with, fucking too bad. Um, <laughs> that's all. So let's get right into it. Um, let's start with you, Steve. What games would you say when we look back on this generation of consoles and this the current state of PC gaming... What are some games that you think stand out as as defining releases? The first I'm going to go into is Mario Odyssey uh, for a few reasons. Because what it did so well was it sort of reintroduced Mario to the older generation of gamers like ourselves. And honestly, like even our parents' generation can get enjoyment from this game. Obviously, with the Switch kind of making a huge splash last, last year, Nintendo, the, the whole brand, just carries a lot of nostalgia to it. So you see a lot of people buying Switches our age, one, to play them, but obviously now some of people around our age are having kids as well, so they want to introduce some of these old you know, franchises to their children as well and kind of keep the traditions going. So Mario was a great introduction to those new gamers as well as the great reintroduction to all of us. Every time I picked that game up, I always had a delightful experience. I never got frustrated, even if I'm trying to do a level and I just keep falling off. You can't even get that mad because even when you die, it's so just, like, playful. It's like he falls off, he does a little show, he's like, Whoa! and then, like, the coins pop up. So even when you die, it's really, like, not that big of a deal. It's like, whatever, I lost, like, ten coins, I'll be back to where I was. But there became, like, a real satisfaction of finally solving those little platforming puzzles collecting the moons like i thought collecting moons was going to be so trivial and dumb but i found myself once i finished the main game going back and like hunting as many as i could to try to keep playing just like so i could keep revisiting that game i don't think it ever wore out its welcome i haven't played in a little bit just because i've been distracted with other games but i know it's always there like honestly i think it's been in my switch for months at this point because i have a lot of just digital downloads on switch but at any time, I could just pop that game back in, and I know I could have 10 minutes of fun, 15 minutes of fun, or even get lost for a couple of hours playing it. And I think, I I just wanted to add, I think I look at a game like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and I and I look at a game like Mario Tennis Aces, and I, I don't want to say Mario, so Mario Kart 8, 8 Deluxe is obviously like an enhanced port, so it's not like a new release that I think defines this generation, um, and I don't think Mario Tennis Aces defines this generation, but I almost want to put them in a similar category as odyssey because it it like you said it reintroduces a cast of characters that we've known for years and decades and that, and that we love very much but it, it also introduces like new mechanics right so like you look at tennis aces um and mario kart and, you, and the joy cons right or like odyssey with cappy right it introduces those new mechanics that make them uniquely 2017 2018 games right but it's doing so with the same cast of characters that we've been that we've had by our side for so long yeah exactly it sets like an appetizer for super smash brothers to come because super mario world is a big chunk of the characters that we've grown to know well, i mean now we have literally everybody in the super smash brothers game but at the origin uh, original super smash brothers game a big core of that was like some of the recognizable faces that you saw playing mario and that's i mean that character and all of the other side characters have sprung games like Mario Tennis Aces and Mario Kart and Mario Party, which is coming again to the Switch as well. So 
it needed to have like a good reintroduction of a solo game because it, if they just brought a new Mario game and they didn't introduce anything new, it wouldn't have felt the same. Like Odyssey got the rave reviews because it actually lived up to the bar that the franchise had set. This felt like a new installation into Mario. The addition of Cappy, of course, like that's the first thing that jumps into everyone's mind because it is a brand new mechanic. But the way that you actually interacted with the Joy-Cons and actually flipped him and everything like that to actually make Cappy move in certain directions. And then all those little mechanics tie into how you hunt down moons. Like, uh, there are times where, like, you see one, you're like, how am I ever going to get to that? And then as you go through the game and as you start figuring out more things, that's when you start kind of piecing together the different little mechanics. And I thought that was a really nice touch. And I thought it was a lot kind of a lot to come from a Mario game because I always picture Mario as just like very simple very basic but this brought a nice little complexity to it without going kind of like too hardcore I guess you could say like anybody can pick up this game and have fun with it doesn't matter how good you are at gaming and then I also gotta have a shout out to the tie-in of there were certain times where you would just like seamlessly go into sections of the game and it's like back to like the the 2d side-scrolling style so I yeah, loved how they yeah. kind of intertwined that, and it didn't feel like a cheap gimmick. It actually felt like a fun extra challenge. Yeah, I, I think Odyssey brought platformers to another level. It was like, let's be as creative as we possibly can, and this is what we came up with. And it was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a perfect first game for anyone that buys a Switch. I think you should absolutely buy it and play it and do that first thing. It's just, it's so much fun. It's It, like, takes... If you're like, oh, I want to have fun playing a game, it's like Mario Odyssey does it perfectly. And exactly. That, if you just, it just encapul- encapsulates fun in gaming, and there's your game. I, I hate to admit, I still haven't played Odyssey. It's so much fun. Yeah. I feel like you are missing out. Yeah. No, they, I know it is, I am. It's a delight. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to pick up Breath of the Wild first, and I just mm-hmm. got lost in that. Mm-hmm. The, the, two, the two-player aspect is really cool, too. Like, taking control of the hat and uh kind of controlling like different characters that was one of the most fun things like throwing your hat at just different animals and stuff like that around the game and taking control of those characters like the little onions the, love like, the, the onions just like expanded and then the little so like fun i don't know what they what, what they, the mushrooms the one that like topped on top like stacked on top of each other the goombas the goombas, the goombas yeah the goombas nice so what's your what's your next game so my next one is going a little bit more I guess in-depth story-wise and a little bit more complex gameplay-wise. And of course, I've talked about this many, many times. Horizon Zero Dawn. I feel like that game defines this generation of gaming, but also sets up where we're going in the future. Guerrilla Games was known for Killzone. First-person shooter. It had a unique story compared to other first-person shooters, but when you break it down, it's an FPS. You know, it's similar mechanics. You're doing, like, two weapon cycles. You get throwables. You're doing objectives. Yada, yada, yada. You're stopping one enemy from taking over a planet. Same story we've seen a thousand times. Then all of a sudden, the first trailer for Horizon showed up at, I don't know, E3 many years ago, and everyone was floored. They were like, this game looks incredible. I can't wait to see more. I had so many questions about the crafting aspect and like the, the resource gathering. And then when that game came out and I got my hands on it, I could not put it down. I love those open world style games that still has a very linear plot where they do try to drive you to do the main plot, but they basically say, hey, there's all this other cool shit you can do It might be a little difficult, but you'll also rank up doing all this, and it makes the main campaign easier. And I got lost in all those side quests. One of the first things I wanted to do in that game once I figured out what they were is 
break into all the cauldrons and rank up my hacking abilities. I thought that was one of the coolest aspects of that game where it gives you the option where it's like, yeah, these giant robot dinosaurs, they're going to kill you if they see you. However, there's a way you can play this game where if you wanted to, you can hack into them and then you can have one of them or two of them, depending on how well you rank up the hack system, you can have them fight alongside of you. And that became one of my favorite things to do. And I love how they give you that option in combat because the combat in that game was so fluid and so complex that I was finding things out that I could do like 60 hours into the game that I didn't know I could do when I was first playing. And they were all things I could have done. Like, yeah, there is a nice rank up system. It's very structured. It's easy to follow, easy skill tree. However, there's a lot of stuff you can do early on that you don't figure out until you just keep doing, you know, trial and error and seeing, well, maybe I'll try this combination of weapons or maybe I'll try just a full stealth approach, see how well I do there. So I love when games will just give you the tools and just say, go figure it out. See how you want to play this because you can just go in guns blazing, firing at everything. There's a, a litany of weapons you can use. That was one of the coolest things because all the weapons are unique because it's this futuristic but almost prehistoric game. It's wild because it takes place so far in the future, but everything has regressed so far back that it feels like prehistoric times with just advanced technology. The premise was so amazing. It was such a unique world, a, like an amazing take on the post-apocalyptic theme and the way they told the story. It wasn't just in the interactions you have with characters, which every interaction mattered to the story, but in all the little pieces of intel and the, and the little recordings you pick up around the world. It was one of those games that you wanted to go search for those things and listen to every one because every one actually unfolded the past of this world to give you a little bit better understanding. But while it was giving you, the player, the understanding, it was giving Aloy the understanding. She was going into it as blind as you are as the player. So you have this intimate connection with your main character, who's an absolute badass. Aloy is hands down my favorite character of this generation. Yeah, I think similar to like Breath of the Wild or uh, Super Mario Odyssey, I think Horizon Zero Dawn is one of those. This is going to be the one of the first games I pick up for PS4 kind of titles, right? It's one of those console selling releases. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. And it's just fascinating, the change from, uh, what's it called, Killzone to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, that transition is really fascinating. The story behind Horizon Zero Dawn is absolutely incredible. No clip, Danny O'Dwyer did an amazing documentary on the making of Horizon Zero Dawn. I'll post it in the uh, in the show notes as well. But holy shit, what a change that studio went through. And the way they decided to move forward with it, it was essentially like a pitch contest. They got the whole company together. Everybody pitched different ideas. They were originally going with a different one. And then a handful of them were like, hey, this one that we heard that we didn't go with is just in our brains and we can't get it out. Like, we should reconsider this. And then the whole studio agreed and they ran with it. Yeah, it's a really fascinating story. But um, yeah, no, I think I think the points you made were super, super accurate. Um Especially as, you know, specifically for the PS4, I think you can't not consider Horizon Zero Dawn as uh, as defining. Also, like, strong female lead for once. Thank you so much. Women gamers right. exist. It's nice to have a female lead in a video game that's an awesome video game and an awesome character. That's And that's why I say, like, I feel like it really sets the groundwork for where the industry is going moving forward. I think we yeah. see a lot more of this because, of course, we had Lara Croft, I mean, all these years, but going back to like the old tomb raiders it's it's a completely different game to what the reboot is so i mean the reboot came and she became a much different character than we've you know that we knew earlier on and so it was a lot more of a positive change but like we still don't have that many main like female protagonists they're yeah, just true. few and far between 
So I feel like this really just kicks open the door because it's like, damn, that game was critically acclaimed. Look at all the good it did. Why don't we focus on trying to write some of these captivating stories ourselves? And I think you're because it's a copycat industry. I mean, look at how many fucking battle royale games we have. And also, like, look at how many look at how many games, you know, game trailers and teasers and gameplay demos we saw at E3 that had female protagonists. Yeah, exactly. The tides are definitely changing for the better. Um, Sweet, dude. Well, uh, I'm going to go next if that's okay with you, Matt. Not really. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, go. But I do think... I know that none of us put this on our list. I do think we should pause and mention Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite. Sure. I know that we don't... We wouldn't no, you're put, right. We wouldn't I mean, put I have... those on our list, but like, yeah. they have deeply impacted the last year of gaming for sure. But yeah, no, I think it's it's like the way I think about it is like when we're all dead and aliens control this planet and they dig up a bunch of old shit from 2017 and 2018 <laughs> and they're like writing textbooks about what video game culture was like, that what are the games and what are the the franchises that they're going to look back on and be like this is what defined that generation of gaming. And it, and you can't not include PUBG and Fortnite and um the battle royale craze in general in that conversation, in that alien conversation you're having. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely right. As we sh- try and forget about it because we hate it so much. Well, I don't have that much against Fortnite. I just suck at it. So yeah, I'll go next. Um, the one I wanted to start off with, I think it's pretty similar to what you started off with, Steve. Um, Breath of the Wild. So that was the first game I picked up for Switch, and I think, I mean, it's it's there's so many comparisons, right? Because it did the exact same thing that Odyssey did. It brought Zelda back in a way that was was uniquely 2017. Right, it it introduced these open world mechanics that were inspired and iterated on on previous games that had open worlds. Um, it introduced some some new like mapping mechanics with you know the the Sheikah slate and the towers that you had to sort of unlock and open. Um, and so I think it just like it brought back a version of Link and a version of his story um, that was really really familiar, but at the same time, again, it was just uniquely 2017 2018 between like the weather and the um, the weapon durability, which I know is a headache for a lot of people. But like, I think those kinds of considerations, I look at it almost like, I look at it similarly to the way I look at the, the me- mechanics in Mario Tennis Aces. So Mario Tennis Aces is very, it, it's closer to a fighting game than it is a tennis game. Um, and so it, it's taking Mario Tennis and it's making it a 2018 experience. And I think Zelda Breath of the Wild does the same thing. So it takes something we're familiar with and we love and it iterates on it in a way that, you know, makes it a different and more challenging experience, which I was obsessed with. So, yeah, I think that game, very similar to Odyssey, it defined the use case for Switch. It was like if you you can have the fun and the joy of Super Mario Odyssey, but you can also have the depth and the intensity and the tension in Breath of the Wild. Um, so I thought it was just like a really good use case. You saw the whole spectrum of the Switch within those two releases. It was fantastic. So that's my first game. My second one is interesting because I've never played it, but I do think it is a generation-defining game, and it's Cuphead. And the reason I put that on the list is because I look at it the same way I look at Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy came out in 2010, and it was like the shining star of the indie roster at the time, right? And so... Super Meat Boy, what that did was teach us, again, because there have been games that came out before it that did similar things, but Super Meat Boy taught us that platforming indie games that come from small studios with little funding can be amazing, right? 
And I think what Cuphead did was it just did that again. I look at games like Limbo. I look at games like Inside, two games that I love very much and are also indie titles. But I don't think they had the same cultural and like social impact that Cuphead did within like the gaming sort of universe. Right. You know, the fact that it got so much recognition in all these different awards shows, the fact that all the animation was done uh, by hand, like that speaks so much. That speaks volumes to to the capacity of indie studios to make some fucking amazing experiences. So, yeah, I just think it is the shining indie star of this generation, in my opinion. And, of course, there are other indie games. You look at West of Loathing. You look at... Well, I mean, the the, the big one this year is Celeste. Like, Celeste is going to get a lot of love at the end of the year. Exactly. And so, like, I think there are, again, there are some that, you know, aren't going to make this list or this conversation that we're having, but that definitely deserve recognition. But I look at Cuphead because it was just like this absolute blowout movement. I mean, it won a ton of awards in most award in most shows that it got nominated for. So Great I, soundtrack I just think, too. God yeah, damn, the soundtrack such is a good fucking score. amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's one of the games that defines, at the very least, the indie roster and like the in, the the capacity of indie studios in this generation. I think that that's going to open a lot of doors for a lot of similar games, but a lot of studios that are in a similar place that will produce different games. So I'm excited because like. I feel like the indie the indie world, there's a lot to sift through, right? I mean, we look at the Nintendo eShop, for example, which we'll touch on in uh, in patch notes, but there's just so much to sift through. And so for those games, those indie games, you know, while Cuphead wasn't on the Switch and it won't be on the Switch as far as I know, I think for that game to rise to the oh, top... it'd be so good on the Switch, though. It would be good on the Switch, oh, yeah. Fantastic. For a game like that to rise to the top and, and make it through everything else that was drowning it out on Steam, I think is a feat. So uh, yeah, good good for them. And so those were two my those were my two main games. But I of course I just wanted to give a shout out to God of War. I think that game is of course generation defining because it is a narrative masterpiece and it's a mechanical beauty and the the storytelling and the art and everything. I mean, like we could have. We did have a whole podcast about it, but I mean that game just deserves the most recognition for everything it's so ever. Good. I can't. Cause... I haven't played it in a little bit. I still can't bring myself to delete it off my um, system just because I'm like, you know, someday I'm just gonna want to go back and yeah, slice up some baddies. Well, now they have a new game plus mode, right? So like, you can go back and play it all over again, except harder. Um, and so yeah, I, I you can't have a conversation about what games define this generation without at least mentioning god of war i just didn't want to make it one of my main games because like it's almost a given it's like of course god of war right so yeah those are my generation defining games fight me on it so matt why don't you round it off what are your games that define this generation so my first one is overwatch of the mobas out there i think it's the easiest to entry you have League, which is like huge, and tons of people watch League. You have Dota, which is huge, and tons of people watch Dota. But both of those games are fairly complex, and can be you can you can solo carry in your games if you're good enough. So it doesn't really yeah. highlight the team aspect as much as Overwatch does. Overwatch you cannot carry as one person. It it is a team based competitive shooter game, and I just think it opened competitive gaming to a lot of people that maybe never would have considered competitive gaming something that they'd want to be involved in they have great free content updates they have great events 
I think they are a good model of what games as a service can be, whereas everyone else does it really poorly. <laughs> uh, Ubisoft is good at it. GTA, baby. Yeah, GTA. Oh, GTA. Some... Rockstar would be the other example. I think Wildlands and Siege are good at it too, but that's a conversation for another day. You no, know, nobody plays those games, so. <laughs> <laughs> nobody plays those games that I don't play. <laughs> they don't play it because I don't play it. I think Overwatch is interesting in the story that they give out. It keeps a lot of people engaged. There's tons of like people who are just really invested in the characters. There's a really diverse set of characters from all different backgrounds. Uh, there's a hamster in a, in a giant ball. So I just think overall Blizzard has done like an excellent job at making a competitive shooter with an interesting story, with interesting characters, with great events, uh, just like widely available to the public in terms of just gamers. Yeah. And I do think, I think it does a tremendous job, like you said, at being an on-ramp to MOBAs mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I had never played a MOBA before it. And so, and I remember I was pretty, I was pretty hesitant to get into it. Um, Reese really wanted me to buy it cause he was into it. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like the, the campiness and the, and the colorfulness and the funny jokes and the characters like, yeah, it's not really my thing. I'm looking for m- more like a, I'm looking for a more dull affair. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, no, you should try it. And now I fucking love the campiness and the colorfulness and the goofy characters yeah. and like the low. And I think that's another thing, like the lore and the stories, they, they create so much investment mm-hmm. um, to your characters and they make you identify with them. So, yeah, I think it's for sure, especially for like online games in general. I think you got to you got to mention that one. Yeah. And disclaimer, people might be like, oh, it's not a MOBA. It has to have three lanes to be a MOBA and be top down. I consider it a MOBA because yeah, it's very so. similar. Absolutely. Um, and it's clearly very inspired by that genre. So my second generation defining game, uh, I was trying to decide between Skyrim and The Witcher 3, and I just have to give it to Skyrim, even though I actually oh, think mate, potentially overall The Witcher 3 might be a better video game. Um, I think Skyrim is more generation defining. It came out in 2011. And it hasn't stopped coming since And it hasn't stopped coming out. <laughs> and The Witcher is like, and The Witcher series is clearly inspired by like Morrowind and Oblivion and also Skyrim. So I, that's why I'm going with Skyrim because I think it's, it's defined so much in the single player RPG arena. The map is vast. The quest lines are interesting and diverse and there's all these different things you can do i've like put 105 hours into the game and i've only scratched the surface of what you can you can even like explore characters are interesting it's just so good it is just such a good rpg that i mean i would recommend absolutely even picking it up right now and just playing it i find it kind of interesting too that both of your games were are kind of just like almost perfectly described as perfect on ramps to their respective genres because like i said like i would never play a mobile like league of legends because like i've seen it and it just seems like way too much for me i feel like i wouldn't grasp it but a game like overwatch appeals to me because it seems like it pulls a lot of just like regular first person shooters that i do play and whereas Skyrim appealed to me, like, I never really played RPGs. Uh, I guess, like, th- the biggest RPG, I guess you could say, I played was, like, Pokemon back in the day. Like, I never really played those types of games. And then senior year of college, I had a little bit of spare time because of a uh, a little bit of a knee injury. 
So I played a lot of Skyrim because I had a lot of friends who recommended Skyrim to me and I started playing it. And at first I was just like, shit, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I was having a tough time. And then my buddy, he came over and he's like, oh, dude, here's how you do the locksmithing. Uh, no, like the lock picking. And here's how you do the smithing. You can rank these up super quick. You can rank up your conjuration. And I, once I started doing those little hacks, I was like, oh, shit. Now I can actually start having a real fun time in this game. And I think I can only I, I've never played it, so I can't comment on it specifically but from what i've seen on streams or heard or read like it it is just a pure rpg it's like one of the purest experiences you can have in a role-playing game just want to play it again i want to play it again for the first time (laughs) yeah so i said those would be the two games for me skyrim and overwatch i fucking love overwatch i kind of fell back in love with it last night to be totally honest i fell out of love for a little bit and last night was just a fantastic experience yep I think we all had some really good picks. If anybody out there agrees with us or disagrees with us, let us know. Respectfully. Fucking at us, you know? We would definitely love to hear what games you guys think I would define this generation and impacted you and impacted this wave of, of Don't games at me. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so with that, it is time for the segment where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Patch Notes. So this is Patch Notes 6.28.18. Steve, why don't you kick it off? So what do I have? You didn't ask. (laughs) (laughs) So what do I have? (laughs) That is awesome. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So my Patch Notes is revolving around Telltale. So this is actually from GameRevolution.com by Michael Leary. Telltale is making a Stranger Things inspired game. I'm not sure if anyone knew that. However, it's going to be the first game on their new engine. So they're ditching the Telltale tool as they called it. Apparently not the best name. (laughs) Telltale tool. (laughs) But it also wasn't the best engine. That was pretty much the biggest drawback of all the Telltale games is the engine is a bag of shit. I still love all the Telltale games, so they're switching over to the Unity engine, which a lot more of these kind of choose-your-own-adventure-style story narrative games work. So the Telltale Stranger Things one will be the first one under the new engine. So this last Walking Dead game, which releases August 14th, the first episode, unfortunately that will still be on the old engine. But it's a good sign of things to come because they are set to be working on another game of thrones one right now that's kind of suspended indefinitely it's probably because of the fact that the engine is being switched so now they kind of have to redo everything so they had a couple of delays one of course like i mentioned was game of thrones where they just kind of put it on hiatus they're waiting to finish that off and the other was the wolf among us season two was delayed until 2019 and the belief is that it's because they switched to the end the new engine uh the unity one So moving forward, that's what they're going to be working on. So now we'll know that whenever Stranger Things comes out, that'll be the first one. I imagine Stranger Things will probably come out either at the end of this year or the very beginning of next year, since it's supposedly coming out before Wolf Among Us 2, which is pushed off till next year. So I hope that it kind of draws more people to these games, because the stories have always been fun. Like I've always had a fun time playing them, but I understand how people would get turned off by the gameplay, because it is janky as fuck. It's also one of the games similar to Detroit or Heavy Rain or Beyond Two Souls, where it's like, if you're not into this kind of game, then you're not going to get into this kind of game. Right, exactly. And uh, I don't think a bad engine 
helps that in any way. <laughs> so right. Right. that's why I think maybe if the engine's a little better, it might sway a couple people be like, you know, I like Stranger Things, so I'd like to see what an interactive story could be like for that. Or I like Game of Thrones. I'd love to get my hands on an interactive Game of Thrones game. So we'll see how things go. I am looking forward to the changes because, like I said, they've always produced entertaining stories to me. So I think if they actually tie in tolerable gameplay, then uh, they might be onto something over there at Telltale. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, Manny, what do you got for patch notes? Yeah, so my patch notes is here in Discord, so if you want to check it out, just join our Discord. Matt, what about you? <laughs> um, so my patch notes is coming from Gamasutra. This is an article by Alex Waro. The headline reads, Nintendo's fils commits to improving Switch storefront curation. Then it, so the, I'm just going to read a little bit from the uh, beginning of the article. The Nintendo Switch is well into its second year, and we're continuing to see a rising tide of games, including a lot, including a lot of ports launching on the platform each week, fanning devs' concerns that their own games will get lost in the shuffle. Nintendo of America President Reggie Fizeme spoke to those concerns in some detail during a recent interview with Waypoint, reassuring devs that the company is continuing to work on the Switch's discovery problems. He says, quote, we have a significant global focus on driving our digital business and independent games are a critical part of that, fils said. Everything we can do to help the consumers find all of the stellar content is a huge part of this, and we're attacking it from a number of different fronts. However, he offered no actual details on what the company plans to do, instead calling, to attention, uh, calling attention to what it recently did, which was revamping the Switch online game storefront by adding options to sort games by how well they've sold either all games or digital games only. So it's pretty interesting. I think we're all well familiar with the onslaught of uh, indie games that drowns us every Thursday. It's a bit much, and this is something we've talked about in relation to Steam because I think it's encroaching on that same problem. Whereas I think Nintendo will hopefully, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've always been somewhat of a family-friendly marketplace. Um, I think they'll hopefully actually take a stance on shit trash that gets pushed into their store. But you know who knows i think it's going to take someone to develop a shitty offensive awful game like active shooter and try to put it on the nintendo eShop and see where the cards fall but i mean i'm glad they're at least recognizing that there is a discovery issue i think i, I would hope that the consumers are also being taken into account not just the devs but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how the eShop continues to evolve i think it's interesting that you can already I didn't even realize it was an actual feature that you can filter by how well games have sold, digital or physical. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Hopefully we'll see some changes. But uh, I just always hop into the new releases field and just realize yep. that there have been a thousand new releases since the last time I checked the new releases. Yeah, I usually just log on every morning and I check to see if the messenger is out and then I turn my switch off. So that's my patch notes. Uh, Matt, why don't you round it all off? Alrighty, today... At 4.30 p.m., there's sort of some breaking news from Kotaku from Jason Schreier, the title of which being that Google is planning a game platform that could take on Xbox and PlayStation, which is incredibly interesting. And basically, Google may or may not be working on a game console of its own, and it may or may not be working on a going into the arena of gaming in general with potential acquisitions of companies, sort of like what Sony's done, and just like jumping in, which is just crazy. 
Um, I don't think anyone has really thought beyond Android that Google would ever be involved in the gaming world. Like I could see them acquiring some gaming companies, but like that's way different than developing your own gaming system, which uh, is potentially what they're doing, um, which would be nuts to like, you know, we've always had Nintendo, we've had Microsoft, we've had Sony and, you know, the PC. So to potentially have another console in the mix um, would be absurd. I know there, the the article goes on to talk about a potential streaming service as well that really might utilize YouTube, um, which is super relevant because our last episode we just talked about the future of streaming. I think personally that there's a huge amount of growth, potential growth in the streaming world. I, I do think Twitch is not an ideal service uh, yeah. for streamers. So, uh, But then again, Google's not really known for its like friendly ui ux which is like what sort of streaming needs right now yeah for sure jason schreier goes on to say uh we haven't heard quote we haven't heard many specifics about google's video game plans but what we have heard is that it's a three-pronged approach one some sort of streaming platform two some sort of hardware and three an attempt to bring game developers under the google umbrella so that's a really interesting approach and like if we consider their track record, they can fucking crush all three of those, right? Some sort of streaming platform. I think that's not going to be an issue for Google at all, considering we do most of these podcasts on Google Hangouts, right? I don't think that's hard to nail down. Some sort of hardware, the Google Pixel is one of the best phones on the market right now, like by a pretty decent margin. And an attempt to bring developers under the Google umbrella, they have money for days. They can scoop up whoever the fuck they want. That's pretty... That's that's pretty dangerous to to, uh, the incumbents right now. The big thing I've taken away from this is that it seems like they're going to heavily focus on a games streaming service where the hardware they create is basically a vehicle to do the streaming. And so the paragraph that jumped out to me in this article was uh, towards the end, it goes on to say the big splash of water on any excitement for streaming is of course, internet bandwidth streaming big video games means uploading and downloading large amounts of data, which is difficult in many parts of the world. Thanks to bandwidth caps and lack of accessibility to high speed connections, bring that up to someone at Google and they might bring up one of the corporation's many other initiatives, Google fiber, a high end broadband service that allows for speed of up to a hundred times what most Americans have in their homes. So that is, is kind of the big ticket item that sticks out to me. If they can nail this Google Fiber technology, because right now it's just kind of in a handful of cities around the country. Yeah. Which is how that always goes. Like, there are plenty of places that you can't get Fios or you can't get Comcast because it's just not available in that particular area. For a while, when PlayStation View started their cable streaming service, you could only get it in like four major cities, and then eventually they grew it. So this seems like it's just kind of going through the stereotypical testing phase. If they can nail this Google Fiber technology and if it becomes a success, then there's no limitations to what they could actually produce in a game streaming model. And that's why they wouldn't need to have a console that rivals the hardware specs of you know PS5 or Xbox 2 or whatever they're going to call the next generation of systems. They just need a system that can handle the streaming bandwidth of whatever program they're going to be running. And that's something else that I don't think they're going to have a problem nailing. I mean, considering their technical capacity to build all sorts of streaming platforms. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, it's wild. I mean, I know it, it's obviously <laughs> early. Like that. this is, you know, all we know is that three pronged approach, but like I would be shook 
if I was Sony or Xbox, you know, or, or Microsoft. It's um, something to look out world. for. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like, talk about pressure for the next generation. You know, we talk about things like, oh, is Sony going to have backwards compatibility? Are they going to have um, cross-platform? Like, is that going to give them the edge over Xbox? Imagine what Google can bring to the table if they can scoop up their own studio so they're writing amazing, they're creating amazing new IP. They can do whatever they fuck, whatever the fuck they want. It'll be like the Wild West, right? Yeah, but they they have to do it right. Remember their attempt at taking over social media? Yeah, that was a massive fail. They need to have titles like that's what draws gamers you, you gotta give us a reason to want to play your your system and well i also i mean you bring up a good point matt i think whatever they come out with we're gonna find a reason or we're gonna find something that's wrong with it right but like any new digital product whether it's a fucking apple watch or a new gaming console the first iteration the, the first edition the first version of that product is nowhere near its most optimal right so they're just gonna iterate on it and make it better but yeah, I also think like social media, like Google Plus is a trickier problem to solve or solution to create than a gaming platform. But yeah, I mean, again, based on their track record, they can fucking demolish all three of those approaches and come out with something amazing. That being said, you know who else had a good track record at coming up with game consoles? Fucking Atari. And look at what's happening with them. Right? So like we've all seen how track records can do you no favors. But yeah, super interesting. I mean... I, yeah, that would be fucking incredible. That was a good patch note, Matt. Good good sleuthing. Um, so that was patch notes 6.28.18, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. If you have any thoughts or if you want to talk to us about any of today's news pieces, give us a call. You can call us at 347-509-5620. So with that out of the way, before we close it out, it's time for this week's community shout-out, where we like to highlight a member of our community who's just doing rad stuff and being awesome to us. And this week's community shout-out goes to our new friend, Sandra. Uh, she joined us just, I think, two days ago. She found us on Spotify. She liked what she heard, and she joined our Discord community. And she told us we were friendly, which I, I thought was a lovely thing uh, for her to say. So shout-out to you, Sandra. You're great. Welcome to our Discord community. I hope you solve your earbud issue. She ordered some earbuds, and she said they were, like, two times bigger than a normal Well, and it was earbud. only one. <laughs> and it only came with one. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope she figured that out. We're sending you positive vibes. Hopefully Not earbuds, you though. Your we, we can't send earbuds. you earbuds. Hopefully you can hear us me. through your one earbud. In any case, thanks for joining our community. We appreciate it, and we're happy that you're here with us. If you want to join the community as well, if you want to hang out with Sandra, and she's pretty cool... You can join that community through our Twitter bio. So with that, folks, I hope you enjoyed episode 35 of the Omer Gaming Podcast as much as we enjoyed making it for you. If you did enjoy it, head on over to whatever platform you listen to this episode on and let us know how we are doing. Leave us a rating, leave us a comment, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Let us know how we're doing. And if you feel so compelled, if you really want to help us grow, and if you want to join the amazing list of patrons, you can head over to patreon.com slash ombergaming where every single fucking dollar will go back into the show and make us the best gaming podcast we can possibly be. So if you want to throw us a buck or two, it would mean the whole world to us. We would appreciate it. Happy 4th of July. I hope everyone celebrates responsibly and safely and remembers that 
Only four score ago, we beat the French in that battle of Bunker Hill. So with that, folks, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you and we will talk to you very soon. I just didn't want to make it one of my main games because, like, it's almost a given. It's like, of course, God of War, right? Of course. Um, Of course. Of course. (laughs) Kratos. God's pantheon. Cory Barlog, what? (laughs) Niesta. What? Mountain climbing simulator.